So this episode is brought to you by Sports and Ortho Physical Therapy. I'm here with Dahlia Fami, owner of Sports and Ortho, where they specialize in rehabilitation services of fire and police. Dahlia, welcome. Thanks, Corey. It's really nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So Dahlia, tell me about Sports and Ortho and what makes you guys different than everybody else. We have a saying at our clinic, which is this, this is not your grandma's clinic, which Hmm. basically means that we understand there's a difference between Chicago's finest and your typical injured person. So how exactly do you guys customize it? That's a really good question. Well, first of all, we have all the equipment needed to rehabilitate true to form. In many of our clinics, we have drag dummies, stretchers, punching bags, ladder climbers. We even have our own fire engine in one of our south side clinics. But most importantly, we recognize the need to be aggressive from day one. We don't believe in passive therapy. We push our patients from day one so that they can come back faster and stronger. Uh, How long does it typically take for you guys to get an injured person back to work, let's say after like a surgery? Our average, Corey, is less than five months, even for big surgeries like ACL repairs or rotator cuff surgery. Well, folks, there you have it. If you're looking to get back from an injury, look up our friends at Sports and Ortho. You can find them online at sportsandortho.net. Welcome back to Chicago's Bravest Stories. We have former commissioner James Joyce in the studio with us. So thank you so much for being here. Cheers. Thank you very much. We got Cheers, we had a lot to talk about. Hey, uh, good to see you guys again. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh. Nice to share a Coca-Cola with the other guys. <laughs> big, big Coca-Cola drinker, the commissioner is. Well, while we're waiting on these two, you and I practically did a whole podcast yeah. with just you yeah. and me. But let's let's go all the way back to the beginning. When did you start with the Chicago Fire Department? February 1st, 1965. 1965. And Vince's second birthday. <laughs> I, yeah, right around second Yeah, birthday. what year were you born? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. Don't worry about it. Let that just... Were you alive? Let that just... Well, <laughs> he was tomorrow, alive. Where? Tomorrow is Vince's... 65? No. Tomorrow. That was not. That tomorrow was not. is Vince's birthday. Thank you. Thank and you. you're going to be... I'm going to be uh, drunk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> boy. We have a guest in studio here, boys. I know, but you know what? He misses the ribbing. I bet you he does. <laughs> I do. Well, all the retired guys that we've had in here always say they miss the clowns, not the circus. Is that right? Exactly. So uh, I imagine that... The director of the circus? <laughs> you, and for, what, four years you directed that circus, right? Yeah, four, yeah. four and a half years, yeah. But let's... Would so, like to have stayed to... Well, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that because that that whole period there is something that I want to talk about because it's really controversial, and it's an important part of CFD history. And you and I were talking before about CFD history, and we'll get to that too. But right now it's 1965. What's the landscape of the Chicago Fire Department? Is there only the Quinn at this point for your training? And how did you? I imagine you had what, family. What, yeah, what and that what, look like getting on? Yeah. Time. What What was the process of you getting on at, at 1965? Well, it started in 63. I think the entrance exam was 63. I was in college at the time. My dad was a fireman. I'm the oldest of seven kids. So uh, I was not preparing to be a fireman, but I wasn't going to miss any test. If there was a police test, I probably would have taken that too. Where were you going to college? We don't have time in this book. <laughs> <laughs> talk about all the colleges. I, my grandkids gave me nine Sweatshirts, <laughs> places that I went to. I started off at John Carroll University hey, in Cleveland, go. the Jesuit school. But and then I, I came home. I was out of out of money in uh, Chicago State and uh, the city colleges and stuff like that. But and I went. Uh, uh, I joined the National Guard uh, and uh, I was sent away for my six months. And that was after I took the entrance exam. And while I'm away in South Carolina, the list comes out, and I'm high on the list, and I'm going to be called. So uh, I, I found it to be very funny. I finished number four in my 200-and-some-man company in physical fitness. 
I did very well. And when I came home, I was home five days and went to take the physical for the fire department. And I flunked it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the doctor told me I was too light. Really? So I, I You was, weren't too light for the Army they, or for the National no, Guard. I was fine in the Army. Yeah. They told Steve that, too. So, <laughs> so I, got, I got home. My dad's a fireman. He's, he's reading the newspaper. And he said, hey, how'd it go? He didn't even put the paper down. I said, I flunked the physical, Dad. He said, I don't know why. And I said, I'm too light. I don't worry about it. And he went back reading the paper. And I said, what the hell is this? You was, your, was your dad a blue shirt fireman? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out two days later, he went downtown and gave the appropriate medical staff $10 to get that straightened out. And then as the years went on, he told me that there was a, uh, a funny equation that evolved in those physical. How much did you weigh at that time? $10 worth. $168, $10 worth. <laughs> no, he needed $10. To yeah. get <laughs> but the guy, I, I he was know, 10 short. I don't know if he was joking, or, but he told me the way that goes is like every eighth guy has a heart murmur. Every <laughs> 50th guy is too heavy. Every 52nd guy is too late. Oh, okay. And then every 64th guy has flat feet. But somehow, they all end up back in the fire department. There you go. So anyway, I, I, uh, I was called for uh, February 1st, 65, to report to the academy. And, uh, and it was just the Quinn. The Quinn, yes. Okay. Yeah, they had two classes before they had closed the old school. And um, but just leading up to that, Mr. Joyce, so you, you grew up a Southsider, right? Yes. Okay. How, uh, where'd, where'd you grow up on the Southside? Well, up to uh, Visitation Parish, 55th and Halstead. <laughs> okay. And uh, I was there until I started eighth grade, and then we moved to St. Sabina Parish, 79th and Racine. Well, both beautiful areas. No yeah. history with St. Sabina either. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went to Leo High School. It was two blocks away from where I lived, yeah, 79th wow. and Racine. So uh, that's where I lived until I got married. Oh, really? Yeah. Did um, So growing up, was there a pretty heavy, uh, uh, was there a pretty heavy influence from the fire department in the household? Or, uh, Well, my dad was a fireman. Uh, my uncle was a fireman. But my grandfather, who I had never met, was a fireman. My grandfather... All with Chicago? Yes. Wow. And uh, my... Uh, to go back in history, my grandmother and grandfather on my mother's side uh, came from Ireland, got married here, and they had five children. And uh, at the birth of my the fifth one, my grandmother died and left my grandfather with the five kids, and the kids were little kids at the time. And he was a fireman uh, around... Uh, near Midway Airport, Engine 88. And so uh, he, uh, he was raising the five kids, and so the story goes, he lived a block away from the firehouse, and I think they worked six days on and one day off, but they would get to go home for meals and stuff like that. And so the old relatives tell me that uh, he would go home and stay home much of the day. And if they hit a run, they would just come. They would come by with the siren, <laughs> and the neighbors would then take over the kids. Well, uh, so the kids. My mother was one of those kids. So uh, she was 16 when he died. He died in 1930. He went to the stockyards fire in 1934. And for people that don't remember the stockyards history, they had a, quite a, a fire history. The famous one was 1911, I believe, where. 21 guys got killed. Mm -hmm. But in 34 was a bigger fire. It, it took the stockyards and it jumped Halstead and got homes. And he was at the fire. And, but that's uh, not the one that gets all the notoriety for right. being the stockyard fire. Where the 21 died. That's, yeah. yeah. But this one, in, in a lot of ways, was way, way bigger. So he uh, uh, was, uh, it was in, uh, May 10th of 1934. He was there all day and it was very hot dry and all. And uh, they drank water out of the hydrants. And 
they assumed it was Chicago hydrant, and it wasn't. It was the water system that was feeding the cattle and <laughs> pigs. So he never went back to work. He was dead by the end of the summer. No kidding. Come on. With the five kids. What, he di- so, that dysentery or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Eventually, his death certificate read heart attack. Yeah. So uh, I think four of them died in, in a similar way. Jeez. So uh, two of my, my mother's siblings were put in an orphanage. They were, they were true orphans, so they stayed in, uh, in an orphanage until my mother uh, reached 18, and then she took them out. And so they, uh, they functioned. So you, your mother basically became the matriarch for yes. the, your whole family. Siblings, yeah. Yes, on, on that side of the family, yes. So I never met my grandparents on the mother's side, yeah. So as far as the family history... <laughs> it wasn't much history because I, I never met him. But my dad was a, a blue shirt. And uh, when I went on, eventually he uh, was promoted to lieutenant. And so, of course. So he was a lieutenant when you got on the job? Uh, shortly after. Yeah. 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 Where was he at? He was at uh, Archer Engine 28. It started off on Engine 63, which was at 63rd and Cottage Grove. You know that Ankle Street over yeah, there? Yeah, right. You can go south, it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, That's an inside joke if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So he, he was on Engine 28 for uh, much of his time, and he got promoted, though. He was in the Fire Prevention Bureau. That's a practice that still goes on today. Yeah, yeah. So he was in the Bureau for quite a while, and he was kind of the day-to-day guy assigned to McCormick Place. Okay. But guess what? <laughs> he ended up on a, a rather diverse engine company <laughs> after the fire cleared up. <laughs> <laughs> what so, year was that, that big McCormick fire? Uh, 1967. 1967? Yeah. At that time, I was a, a relatively new fireman. Where did you go out of the academy? Uh, Chinatown. Okay. Truck four. And... Uh, so you managed to pack on a few pounds since you got disqualified, right? <laughs> About 10. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. you made it through the academy, no problem, everything. Yeah, yeah. English how, many we- how many weeks were you in? What was the academy back in 1965? I'm, I want to say it was three months, maybe. Okay, All so right. not, not much has changed. Yeah. Yeah, So, but there was no... Uh, no EM- EMS. No EMS yeah. at all, no. What was... Uh, do you remember anything that was taught during the academy? Anything that was... Kind of, kind of goofy back then. Looking back on it now, or uh, no, it was you know lead outs and ladders and okay. nothing. But there was no like ter- there was you guys were, I think uh, your uniform for firefighting was just the rubber boots and the rubber coat, right? Yes, that, yes, that was pretty much it. What kind of you, you didn't even have like real like firefighting gloves, right? No, you got three gloves from the. Coffee wagon <laughs> at, at, at uh, the agency that was coming out to extra alarms with coffee and bologna sandwiches and f- uh, fabric gloves. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you didn't know any better, you think? There wasn't anything better. No, there wasn't. <laughs> and there were side trips from the academy. Uh, we went to the morgue, and we had to spend half a day and watch that stuff, you know, and... Uh, and then if there was a, when there were major fires, they took a whole busload of us to roll hose and, oh, that's and do oh, stuff like out. that. Yeah. Cool. Help out. Just yeah. manpower. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, out of the, out of the academy, I went to, uh, uh, Chinatown. Uh, there was one, uh, African American guy in the class. There were 65 of us. <laughs> And right when it's winding down, you're getting kind of excited and nervous about where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said to this guy, I said, uh, where are you hoping to go? And he looked at me like I had two heads, and he says, well. Because there was very few options for him to go at that time. He right? said, I, I know where I'm going. Yeah. He said, how did you know? Like, who told you? <laughs> and he said, well, I would not have been hired if there wasn't a vacancy. Oh, no kidding. On Engine 19. No kidding. And that's right where he went. Yeah. The childhood ignorance. 
Yeah. Oh, that's, like, exactly. oh, that's weird. You're just, yeah. Uh, how did you find out? Yeah. So, yeah, then it was, um, I was two years, I think, in Chinatown. I got a little frustrated because there wasn't a lot of uh, fire duty. And, and you were on an engine. I was on a hook and ladder. Oh, okay. Uh, truck for yeah. And uh, so I have ideas about, you know, I'd like to uh, do a little more work someplace, you know. And uh, I talked to my dad about it. My dad talked to who he was talking to. I don't know, but uh, I'm, I was talking with my lieutenant on truck four, and he said, I understand you're looking to go, and uh, uh, where are you thinking about going? And I said, I don't know, someplace south. And so I come into work one morning, and he said, holy cow, you must have really been upset. And I said, about what? He said, you're transferred. <laughs> it wasn't a transfer order. It was a Marshall Line transfer. <laughs> and I said, yeah, what, what's, what, what's the problem? He said, do you know where you're going? I said, no, I don't. So and you're the le- legitimately the last person to find out about your transfer. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he said, you're going to truck 16. And I said, well, what's the problem there? He said... You're going to be sorry. <laughs> so he, it was a Friday. He said, you know, why don't you clear out your locker? You go. He said, if I would suggest you drive over to truck 16. And I said, where, where is it? He said, 62nd place in Dorchester in Woodlawn. And he said, go there and uh, introduce yourself to the officer, you know, and find out what shift you're going to be on. So off I went in, in the dark. I could hardly find this firehouse. <laughs> it was in the middle of a rough neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and it was dark and uh, surrounded by big apartment buildings and stuff like that. So here's this firehouse with no lights on and I'm looking in the window. And the truck's gone. And uh, here comes the German Shepherd to the windows, growling and jumping up, you know, and uh, I'm good with dogs, so I waited for a while, and then I let myself in and uh, got him calmed down, and so I sat there, literally in the dark, (laughs) with one little light on over the joker stand, and uh, I'm looking at the chalkboard to see when they went out, where they went, and there was a whole list of things of where they went, (laughs) so I called the fire alarm office, and I said, where is truck 16? I said, hold on. Hey, where's truck 16 now? <laughs> and they had a second still in box in the day. So they said, oh, they're not coming back for a while. So I went home, you know. And then I reported there and the captain, I went on the captain's shift and it was wonderful. <laughs> it was just a great bunch of guys. Yeah. All of them mm-hmm. older than me. And uh, it, it went very well. I, I just love that part of it. And I was there for two years, maybe three years. I took the engineer's exam, and I scored on that. And then I got the vacancy on Engine 63, which eventually moved in with Truck 16. So it was a, a, a good time. And it was uh, you want a place where you learn your job pretty quickly. Mm. So. So it was very good. Just to bring it back a little bit more, do you remember anything about your first, like your first day at a firehouse in Chicago or your first, whatever, couple days, anything interesting about just starting off there? Did you? Well, the first week I I had a a death. Uh, We we responded to, in Chinatown, we responded to an old hotel at Cermak in Indiana. I think it was the Cadillac Hotel. Hmm. And it was under demolition. And so we had to put a ladder up and go up. There's two guys, two old guys, who were brick guys. They were salvaging bricks. Oh, okay, yeah. And they were not using much in the way of uh, mechanical issues. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> they knocked over half of the chimney on top of them, and they oh, were up there for two or three days. Oh, so that was my first time. And uh, oh. And, and back then, I mean, when we talked about before, ambulances really started getting their legs around, uh, what was it? Well, we're going to get to that because yeah. we were talking, uh, Jim knows 
uh, Dr. Zidlow very well. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Well, before we get to Dr. Zidlow, where where was your first fire at? Truck four? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like uh, 30th and state. Okay. And like how long had you been on before your first fire? Probably three months. Three months. Okay. (laughs) Do you remember that first fire? Uh, no, I just attached myself to one of the older guys. Yeah. Um, Follow so me, kid. We're going to do that, and we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there was nothing out of the ordinary, you know. Okay. Nothing you didn't expect. Like, did you, I mean, <clears throat> did you know what you were, did you feel pretty confident going into it from the training? Well, we, uh, this was, we were doing ladders and went to the roof and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, for the fire, you mean? Yeah. 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 But, I mean, like, were you, so you weren't necessarily, like, shocked by anything? Nothing was really, like... No, not really. Yet, no, yeah. you know they broke me in gradually. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> leading up to it. Yeah, that yeah. was uh, that was. You know, it, it it didn't dawn on me until the last couple of years. These guys that I was looking up to mm-hmm. were World War II veterans. Oh, the greatest generation. And we didn't talk about that. You know, it, if I could do that again, yeah, I'd sit them down and want to know all about that you know and never a word huh Not, never said anything you know one guy was a particularly tough guy harold Struess. he was a marine and i don't know what his war experience was but he was the barn boss and you listened when harold spoke <laughs> you listened and as the years went on when i eventually transferred south he also did and he came, he went on to Engine 100, and he was the barn boss in Engine 100, but everybody talked about Harold. He didn't, he didn't use his last name, Harold. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? And, and I, Doesn't really say anything, but says things, you know what I mean? A couple of years ago, my brother was a big basketball player, and we went to Lewis University to watch them play, and there was a guy playing, uh, and his name was Struess. And I said, wow, how many Struces do I know? And I, I met the guy's father, and I said, who's Harold Struce to you? And he said, he's my uncle. He, he was dead at the time now. And so I, I started paying attention to this kid. He left Lewis and went to DePaul, and now he's starting in the NBA. What? <laughs> A white guy starting in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, yeah. he couldn't play a single game, but just just getting over that hurdle, <laughs> I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that experience uh, at 62nd place in Dorchester, now that... That's where it really, where, where you got your legs, you feel like? Yeah. 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 I, I sh- I'm not going to say it was fun. <laughs> but but it was fun. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You got you got anything that uh, happened? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, you said like like you said, you guys they were out all day, kind of uh, company. But anything really from that time that sticks out to you? Well, there were there was obviously something going on in Woodlawn. It's an old old historic neighborhood, and uh, every day hmm. a six flat would go up, and then the next day. Down the street. Do you think they were trying to change the neighborhood? Something was going on. Yeah. Something was going on. And uh, and it was going on for quite a while. And at night, uh, the fire alarm office changed another engine company in with us for added manpower. Because it was that busy. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that at night, uh, we in our house, we had two engines in the, the ladder, and then eventually they moved uh, the battalion chief in. And the house was not, it was a single house. <laughs> it was a long, skinny house, but because they tore down a house in uh, Hyde Park, they, put, they built an annex on this place, and all it had was two bays. No additional bunk room, no additional bathroom, two bays in the kitchen. So until they rebuilt the Hyde Park house, they ran out of there, but then they disappeared. So we had room for other companies. So they'd bring in companies from 
quieter neighborhoods <laughs> to run the night calls, you know, because it was, wow. it was just something. It was that busy, huh? It, it was crazy. I mean, and you, you knew as a young guy, you didn't know anything, but. What was the manpower for each piece of apparatus in? Five, like, five on every. Oh, it was, it was five back then, huh? Yeah. Okay. I, say, I can't imagine, I don't work for Chicago, but I can't imagine that when the Chicago Fire Department's like, we'll do you the favor, we'll throw you a couple extra guys. You probably <laughs> needed it 50 years before that, you know? Well. But somehow, you, you always didn't seem to have five. No. The cook wasn't making runs until nighttime and... Uh, I, I don't know if that's the policy now. I don't know. You know, I'm we don't know either. Gone a while, but you change is what you're saying. Yeah. But no, I'm just. I'm but, <laughs> but, then, but things happen. You Sorry. know. Uh, obviously, things were looser in those days. Sure. Uh, there was no contract. There was no minimum manning. So uh, was the were you guys a union fire department at that point or had yes. the union local been two was one of the oldest unions. What was local two? Um, born, Steve? Uh, well, uh, Local 2 and Pittsburgh are the first uh, yeah, IAFF. Uh, inter- right, yeah, locals, right. Yeah. They lost uh, coin flip. Coin flip. <laughs> yeah. I, I Actually, terrible of me. I, I don't know what year it was. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. You did put me on the spot, though, a thousand percent. <laughs> so if only we had the former commissioner of the Chicago Fire Department here might be able well, to help but, us out with that. But, but, it but was the local, a was, the local <laughs> was existent when you would. Oh, yes. Okay. It, it existed. It was a um, – I didn't know anything about unions. Sure. And you joined the union. You, you had to, you know, it just – but you had no contract, and it wasn't even on no. the radar at that point? No. And the guy that, in my mind anyway, who ran the union, had an office next to the fire commissioners. And uh, his name was Spike Lynch. Spike Lynch. And, uh, I mean, I didn't know about unions. I didn't care about the unions, you know. Uh, not, not that they didn't care, but there was no union movement. There was no pressures and tension. So uh, there was no minimum manning. And uh, that left maybe too much flexibility in sure. those years, you know? On both sides, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but things, uh, it was so busy. It was just, it was a, a fun place to be, to learn your trade, you know, uh, and it was there was constant pressure from the community. The lead community was the TWO, the Woodlawn Organization, and they were upset, obviously. And uh, and I took a ride to see what Truck 16 looked like where I was, mm-hmm. and it it was the dumpiest, <laughs> dirtiest place. Then it's vacant now. Oh yeah. But it still is dumpy. <laughs> Even relative to a dump, it's bad. <laughs> but it was the best house. I mean, yeah. guys were lined up to get in there, you know. Huh. It was very good. Did Who you cared? guys still have the same schedule that, that we have today? The yes. 24 on? Yes. Two days on? Yeah. yeah. Since you had started, right? Yes. It was just your but grandfather they, had that as, off. As time went on, the union negotiated. For Kelly's. A, a, a daily day more frequently. Yeah. I'm sorry. But this... One one funny thing I'll I'll never forget was to relieve the pressure in this single house bunk room. The repair shops took a bunch of, of the old metal beds, and the metal beds had the rounded tops. I'm, I'm on radio, I know, but I'm showing <laughs> these guys how to, what they look like. Like an arch on the headboard. A high arch on the be- headboard. Yeah. Well, they drilled holes in there and put metal pins in them, and put another bed on top. So they made bunk beds. They made bunk beds <laughs> that were six feet off the ground. Oh, God. And I remember that I was working the day they were delivered. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by the Frontline Team. And their phone number is 630 630- Five three four twenty nine hundred. You guys can also email them at the frontline team at thefederalsavingsbank.com. Peer support is so important, and I, I, I've realized that just over my lifespan that 
you have to be able to talk to someone. And if you're going through the mortgage process and you also have someone who has shared life experiences and you're able to talk to them about the shit you're going through. Like, I didn't feel embarrassed about asking Josh a question because yeah. Josh knows where I come from. You know, I'm like, hey, uh, I know this sounds dumb, but blah, 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 blah. I'm just a fireman. I don't know anything about banks mm-hmm. or mortgages or right. blah, blah, blah. I try my best, but that's not really where my, you know, my forte and he, understand, he understands that because I think a majority yeah. of the firemen out there, cops and paramedics, and like, we're so preoccupied with other things. It's like, dude, I just want a cheap loan and I don't want to get screwed. How, yeah. how does this work? Can you can you help me out? And he's like, he understands that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I love what we do. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories brought to you by Rescue One CBD a firefighter-owned company taking care of first responders with their CB oil that's guaranteed to be 0.000% THC, making it safe for the job. Enter promo code BRAVEST and you'll receive 25% off your order. Again, type in the promo code BRAVEST and you'll get 25% off all Rescue One products. Go to rescueonecbd.com and place your order. You were actually explaining to me that you've been getting a lot of response from the listeners here about benefits of your CBD oil. Yes. Um, yeah, our CBD oil and the topical. And, um, you know, we, we've been a sponsor of the show for a little bit. I've been a sh- fan of the show for a while. And um, obviously that kind of started the ball rolling where, you know, Chicago area firefighters have started using the product but then you know i can tell that you know the word of mouth is spreading and and i i just i get so much good feedback i get such great responses and i love seeing that part of it it uh it feels really good because it's why i started the business it's it's uh to help our guys and girls out there and seeing how it's it's working is fantastic so um for everybody that's you know supported us and uh, been loyal to the brand thank you so much and you know, honestly, it's, uh, I think it's, it's a huge benefit for us. You know, I think that, um, you know, we're going to be, um, on the cutting edge of something great. And everybody was making fun and they called for the division marshal to come and see this. And the the Lieutenant on my engine, Eddie Scheid, who was one of the toughest old company officers I ever worked with, but he was about five foot nine. He's not related to Dick Scheid, is he? His brother. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, his okay. older brother. We had uh, Dick Scheid's son on the podcast talking yeah. about Our Lady of Angel. Yeah, there were Scheids. Three, yeah. three Scheids. At that fire? Uh, no, oh, Eddie just Scheid went okay. on the job at the same time. But Eddie Scheid, we, we, when the division marshal came to demonstrate the bunk beds, <laughs> we were boosting Eddie Scheid up and kind of throwing <laughs> him up in the air, you know. I mean, it, it was down race. Yeah. It was dangerous, yeah. you know. Well, especially considering you guys were using asbestos screws and uh, everything. Okay, about right. everything about it was crazy. Right. So they only right. lasted it one day. Painted with lead paint. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this this lead's really gonna seal in the flavor here. You guys aren't gonna have any. This problems. is a different <laughs> lead. <laughs> right. So they only lasted one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How long did you last there before you eventually transferred out? Made to engineer. Oh, you made engineer. I got promoted. You got promoted. But I got I came right back in as the engineer okay. because the engine moved in with us. Oh, okay. And eventually I got promoted to lieutenant. So I'm gonna say five years later, maybe. Okay. And so now we're in the seventies. Oh yes. Okay. Ooh. Well in the seventies, yeah. A seventies, Mr. Joyce. <laughs> well <laughs> bell bottom turnout pants. Uh. <laughs> I didn't have any of those theories. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see that you're a lieutenant now, it, and we're headed into the 80s is where I'm where I'm headed with you right now because it, we're... It, you're going too fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, right, uh, right. Well, slow down. I'm, slow I'm down. trying to slow it down, he, but I yeah, got... Yeah, he hears that pretty often. So <laughs> in early 70s, you make your way. You, so you uh, you make you get promoted um, into uh, being the engineer, working out of the same house. How long are you an engineer for? Probably two or three years, maybe. What did you think about that job? Loved it. Yeah? Yeah. Best job in the fire department. Every job was the best job. (laughs) Honestly, when people ask me about, uh, did you dream about being the fire commissioner? No. (laughs) I I loved being a fireman on truck 16. And then when I made engineer, that was wonderful. Looking back in your career, those are your best times, you thinking? No, it got better. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. 
So what would you think about being an engineer? How was that? Oh, you were busy. You were going all the time. Just running a lot. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, I had to do things. And I had older firemen on the back step. Sure. And they were in. They're leading out a line into a, a rolling fire. Yeah. And the chief is yelling, we need the second line. So I'm Mr. Energy, so out, yeah. I lead out the second line and tie it to the fence. And now when it's come time to roll up the hose, when it's oh, over, no. these older guys are pissed off at me. <laughs> <laughs> pissed off older guy. I, I, I don't see it. Okay. So uh, well, I got promoted to lieutenant, but then I, sure. <clears throat> I was put in the Fire Prevention Bureau. As lieutenant. Okay. Yeah. So you, you hit the, your promotion. Anything... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say necessarily extraordinary, but like any any big fires, anything you can think of up to that point. Any did you pump any big time fires that you remember? Or? Uh, as a relief engineer, I went to a fire on North Ashland, and a guy on snorkel something got killed. A guy named Walsh, and the companies were there overnight pumping, and I went there on Engine 75 as a relief engineer, and uh, all I had to do was take the lines from an engine that they sent home mm -hmm. and just continue just pumping. But it gave me a time to walk around and see what was going on overnight, and I saw an engine, and that it might have been Engine 43, and they were old, of course, and he had the... Uh, metal cover over the motor. He had it up and off. Mm -hmm. And I swear, it looked to me like the engine block was white hot. This thing was pumping four lines wow. for 24 hours. <laughs> I thought that's a memory. I might have I mean, been wrong. No, no, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you think about it now, going back to it, I mean, we've talked about before, there's not too many things back then that were designed to be firefighter equipment or firefighter apparatus they were just like ah take that old mac truck that was being used at the at the shop for 15 years and making a fire truck you well, know like there's we had fwd rigs yeah that the old timers told me they were from world war ii Jeez. so i don't know if that was true or not all the way from normandy vince <laughs> driving these motherfuckers uh, they uh do you uh what was the what was your engine that you're driving it was a ford la france oh, okay yeah it was, it was a truck, like a legitimate truck. You were no, it was a custom pushing fire gears. truck. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the uh, first. Uh, very quickly, they weren't riding the back step. I mean, they had a, they weren't inside, but they, they were under a the open cab, open cab. Yeah, I think yeah. So yeah, mm. reliable. Yeah, rigs. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so you get promoted lieutenant and you mount, you move on to, where do you end up landing? Oh, you said the, in the, the West Side Bureau. Fire Prevention Office in 107's house. Okay. okay. Still there. Where events is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was an inspector on the West Side for, I'm going to say two years because I, I sat for the captain's exam and I scored on it. So I say... I was you, probably you, you took the captain's exam while you were in the, in the bureau? bureau. Yes. Okay. I was probably three years a lieutenant. I'm guessing, but I remember when when you got promoted to lieutenant, you got sent to the bureau. Everybody. Almost everybody. Oh, okay. oh wow! All right, <laughs> right. Ooh, Random. Okay. Some guys. Like the, like somehow. <laughs> Like the randomizer. Met somebody, and they didn't go. So here I am. Three years Walking the down the street. No, I was only a year and a half, and oh, I okay. got out as a relief lieutenant. But I'm walking down the street at Wells High School, coming out of the captain's exam, and I'm with three or four of my peers who were stroking me uh -oh. about having to go in the bureau. Oh. They didn't go in the bureau. And they were a little upset because they asked five questions on the captain's exam. Are you kidding me? About fire prevention stuff. Oh. And so 
Oh. I, was, I was giving it right back to him. Brian. Oh, yeah, absolutely. See, yeah, those are easy bureau questions. Yeah. <laughs> those are automatic. Had you have done the long. time in the bureau like everybody yeah, else. Exactly. I mean, honestly, you I picked it up after yeah. two months. I didn't even yeah. have to say You would have nailed those questions. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So uh, I scored high on the captain. So, How was your time in the bureau? It's fine. Necessary evil. It's terrible. That yeah, was just what you did, you know. Yeah. Let's just assume it was terrible, Corey. I'm sure it was. Yeah. But you know yeah. what? I'll bet relative to what it is now, it had to have been miles different. Like, I mean, were you still showing up to, what would you do, just show up to a random place? I mean, what what was the bureau really? Were there even inspections that oh, yeah. heavy back oh, in yeah, the 70s? Yeah. You, like, I would go to the fire prevention office, which was in Engine 107's house. Yeah. And I reported to a captain, and he would give me a stack of inspections. Okay, get it done by the end of the month, something like that. A week. Okay. This isn't. This isn't. Sure. Yeah. No. I don't know. I'm thinking. You know, what I'm thinking of. I, <laughs> You're like, thinking about where you work. I'm just. Well, <laughs> he takes a month. Take it easy. Yeah. Okay? You might he take takes a, a month. month. Listen, we're we're to, very we're to answer the phone. We're inspection heavy. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but like I mean, there's not, there's nowhere near the codes in the seventies that there is now. I mean, it's not like you're. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you're. Oh no, they. You, know, you had, we had to go to school for two weeks before oh, you went into it. I take that time of year off every year, <laughs> every single year. <laughs> if you're not my kid, I hate them. <laughs> but but you, you'd get a week's worth of work, and you could kind of pace yourself. Sure. And some were like a, a mom pop uh, grocery store, Seven uh, Eleven. Uh, you could do a bunch of those in a day, but then you would get a detail like uh, Joyce, your detail to McCormick Place for the boat show overnight. You know that kind of stuff, and you'd get detail here and detail there as a as like an inspector role. Yeah, or like, just oh, okay. roaming the place in uniform. You know, sure. watching for overcrowding and stuff like that. You know. Uh, but you could, like, I would do a bunch of inspections on Monday and Tuesday, and then I would go to a library and write them up. We uh, we had a guest uh, not too long ago that said that it definitely gets a bad rap, the inspection side and, and um, the bureau, but but he credited his, his ability to be a great lieutenant just off of, knowing those codes and kind of going through and, and doing these like target hazards that he, he, he actually really enjoyed it being down there. And it kind of, I wasn't sure if anybody else had any opinion on that, you know? Well, no, I wasn't uh, a veteran inspector, nor was I a, a specialist either, but I watched those guys mm -hmm. who were new construction guys. They were terrific. Oh yeah. Terrific. And like, especially the guys that had downtown, with high rise stuff and and they had a issue occupancy placards and uh, and stuff like that and I remember getting a call from a guy I won't use a name I was retired yeah I was retired and he said hey uh, you were a fire prevention guy you know the fire prevention is messing with us on this new hotel and. Uh, some important people want to have their Christmas party there, and they won't. The bureau won't give us the occupancy placard. And he he said, "I'm prepared to offer you a job as a consultant." Was it Trump Tower? See, this is more. <laughs> this is more my speed here, Steve. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. Know. I picked Vince, up on Vince. <laughs> and. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I, well, we got to do it to get this occupancy, you know? Let me let me look into it. I, I didn't trust this guy to start with. Right. Well, he's, and, uh, he's putting his best foot forward, clearly. So, so I called I called the new the the brains of the downtown office, and I said, what about this particular building? He said, ah, oh, don't tell me you're calling on it, too. Oh, boy. I said, oh. no, I'm not calling on it. Message received. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I call right. this guy. I said, no. <laughs> so, so Count me out of this. Yeah. What so, you're, what you're, I said, the inspector told me they're still hauling 40 tons of concrete overhead over the front entrance that you're going to have your Christmas party at. 
I said, no, call somebody else. Don't ever call me again. Yeah. <laughs> so there so. were five people in between you and the last guy that said, <laughs> that said cool, I'm in. That seems reasonable. I love wine. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I learned. From, like you said, in the sure. bureau, you, you learn, you know. It serves yeah. you better later on. Yeah. I yeah. mean, this particular guest, I'm, I'm kind of blank a little bit, but I want to say, like, him in particular, he was uh, like he didn't have a construction background, and so for something like that, he was like, "Man, I." Who are you no talking idea. about? Was that didn't Vega? Was it Vega? I thought so. I thought Ricky said that he was. Uh, he he actually really liked the bureau. Well, I really uh, liked Ricky. <laughs> you should see his face, Rick. <laughs> so, um, all right. So enough enough bureau talk, Corey. Yeah, okay. yeah. Corey. Move on, right. Corey. Let's talk about. Let's talk let's about, talk about some real Let's hero talk shit. about where'd you end up as a captain? Uh, flying squad one. Okay. You it. went. You went straight to the spot, like as a newly promoted captain. Yes. Wow. Well, I finished high on the list, and I think. They were paying attention to that, you know, and I really wasn't looking to go to Flying Squad One. I was <laughs> hoping to go to Flying Squad Two, but somebody else got that. You know, so. <laughs> so you're slumming it. So Flying Squad One was uh, Flying Squad was interesting. It was a uh, one was at 87th and Escanaba over near the steel mills, and you spent some time fishing out bodies from the. The uh, tragedies from the uh, industrial world, you know, but sure. there wasn't much going on. And uh, so, what what year would you put this at? Early eighties or late seventies? Still or seventies? Yeah, this 70s. has to still be. I'll tell you what. You didn't let me get to the eighties. No, no uh, we're not there yet. <laughs> it would be seventy six, I believe. Okay, so seventy six. Yes, and it's, uh, an opportunity presented itself. Flying Squad 3 was near Midway Airport. And I had no interest in that either. Okay. But somebody called me and said, you know, they're going to move Flying Squad 3. Oh. I said, well, where are they going to move it? And he said, well, the new house at 60th and Ashland. You had a lot of connections. We're, I'm, we're start, I'm starting to <laughs> realize you had a lot of, your phone was ringing. When things started to happen, your phone was ringing. His Vince, <laughs> Vince his home phone. <laughs> he didn't get a fucking text message. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, it, this was a, a, an odd one in that the old older captain of Flying Squad 3 wanted nothing to do with moving that thing east into the ghetto, into the 12th Battalion. So at that time, were they strictly responding to Midway or... No, but that area. Okay. A nice area, you know. Sure. And so he kind of wanted out. And uh, the hook and ladder at uh, Midway Airport was going to open. And so he called his friend, who was a deputy commissioner, who I didn't know. And uh, he said, you know, I'd like to go to this hook and ladder job. And he said, I know a young guy who would like to take this job. I know a real dummy. That's going to be so, real. <laughs> so now Mr. Deputy Commissioner called me. Ooh. It was very uncomfortable. He called me Jim, which is, he didn't know me from Adam. And that's okay, you know, but some, I said, something's up here, you know. Mm. So I was able to... Uh, tease him with, yeah, I think I'd like to go there, but depending on what the district would be, I said, I'm not going to service Midway Airport, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you would go if it was the 12th Battalion. He says, well, what would you like the district to be? <laughs> and I thought, oh, boy, I this is not right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I took the job right away. It, it was, again, Cottage Grove. Yeah, yeah, slant right uh, to the city north, limits on the west, northwest, thirty <laughs> ninth to eighty seventh Street. Mm -hmm. Every fire. Come on, how how long were you at Squad One before you moved? Two years, maybe a year oh, and a half. Okay, and pretty unremarkable at that point, Squad One. Right, relatively. It was interesting in that you were you were doing the heavy duty at the steel mills, where there were 
tragedies. Sure, know? yeah. But pretty quickly, the steel mills left too. Well, I guess I guess what I was kind of trying to get to with the squads was what was what did it mean to work on a squad back then, the late seventies? Like, were you pretty similar responses there is now, or were you guys doing different stuff, or well, were you guys still kind of like a specialty? You were, but, but every I'm going to just make up a number. Every ten years or so, the city would hire an outside consultant to come in. Uh-huh and study the department. And uh, old guys will remember the Matman report. Matman was a uh, acknowledged whiz from IIT. They were a fire engineering school and all that. And they'd come in and uh, look at the department and see how you could do better. So there was some sort of a city movement to back down from the five-man company and run the engines with fewer guys. Well, then the union would, well, babies will die. You know, that's the old thing with babies will die if you cut the manpower. So the Matman report said, if you put a squad, and I think, I don't know how many were at the time. At one time, there was 13 squads. But that went down to very few. And then the flying squads, I'm going to say there was five or six, but um, so you had flying squads and regular squads. No, at one point they they phased out the. Okay. Yeah. How many airplanes were there? <laughs> with the Chicago, uh, that was a grandpa joke. That wasn't. That are you, wasn't are you talking about the uh, snorkel squads? No, we did not have two pieces. That okay. That was another issue. So it depends on who was in charge. Well, they had got their, the Hermes to think for that. Had what? their own <laughs> thing going, you know. Well, and I just want to know. My my grandfather was on Snorkel Squad One. Did you know that, Vince? Yeah, he's the one who was. He, drove, he invented this. He invented it. What was well, no, he invented? No, it. he drove but it. He was he what, was what was part of the reason, right? Wasn't that yeah. the story that he went in for a can of pop and he went in for a can of pop? Into, he and, ran into yes, and they said. You drive that cherry picker for the gas company? Yeah. And he said, yeah. He goes, are you on the fire department too? He goes, yeah. He you know how to right, play handball? Yeah. And <laughs> my grandfather played handball. Yeah, like crazy. What so, was his name? Tom. Oh, okay. And he ended up on the west side. Yes, sir. That was his payoff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew him. I, oh, but I, I wasn't janging him when I said, like, like, not that he invented it, but that can of pop story So I, I mean, was crucial in the... The snorkel. So I was jagging him, Vince. You, you, you were 100%. Yeah. I mean, there was three by far. snorkel squads. Actually, there was one downtown. They were it. And this leads to another story. Uh, I was like three weeks in Chinatown, and the officer says, you're detailed to Engine 66, which was a ghetto house down the street from Engine 107 on the west side. And so I'm, I'm getting my uh, helmet and stuff, and he said, no, you don't need that. <laughs> Each division was sending a guy to Engine 66 on a Sunday to help with something, and they didn't tell you what it was. And you didn't need your gear. And you didn't need your gear. Need your that, gear. that should have been red flag number one. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I knew where I was going and it went there. Also (laughs) had Squad 7. And Squad 7 was one of the premier busy, busy fire squads. Uh, The two really hot squads were 7 on the west side and 3 at 54th and Wabash. And so I didn't know what was going on. They were putting Squad 7 out of service. Uh And they were moving Engine 66 someplace else. And they were putting in Snorkel Squad 3. And guess who was pissed off? Everybody on Squad 7 and everybody <laughs> on Engine 66. <laughs> they were not invited to play. And so we were there to clean the house out, throw the old beds away, bring in more modern beds, modern lockers, which pissed people off even further. And so it was a kind of a nasty scene. And for a young guy like me, I, holy cow, the division marshal 
stayed outside on the driveway. He didn't even witness what was going on inside. And I said, but that was the next snorkel squad. And then when I, in 1965, they put snorkel squad three in, in Hyde Park. So they operated with those three snorkel squads, got rid of the 12 or 13 squads. And now another efficiency report comes along and we're going to do better. They got rid of the two flying uh, snorkel squads and brought in flying squads. Uh, flying was just a word, so we can shorten the manpower on the engines and have a five-man squad come to help them at a fire. Not to do a lot of phony runs, but to come on fires. You were, right. just, rap- you were just rapid manpower. Right, yes. that's what I was yes. going to say. Okay. So Who was the commissioner at this, during this whole period? Rusty. Not Jim Joyce. It wasn't me, no. <laughs> Uh, oh, it might have been. Well, Quinn, yes, it was. Quinn was there until the magic number, 1980. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, you're, the, so you're coming out here saying that you don't like them at all, pretty much as well. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying that. <laughs> so Flying Squad 3 ends up at 60th and Ashland. And became really, really busy. It was quite a place. Quite a place. And uh, I, at that time, was I took the chief's exam. So I ended up number one on the chief's list. While you're at squad three? Yeah. Okay. And so it's now 1979. Oof. Good year. And? Good year. <laughs> I got promoted to chief in 79, and the city, for whatever reason, said, well, you were number one on the list. There was, they promoted five of us. Uh-huh. You get first pick, and then the other guys, of the vacancies. So I took the 16th Battalion at 46 in Cottage Grove, which was, I thought, a premier place. You know? yeah. And, and, and guess same what thing, happened was- six months later? They all walked out. All walked out. And I didn't. And neither did the other two chiefs. Uh, We stayed in. uh, Well, before we get to that, what um, what can you tell us about Squad 3? Any notable runs from being over there? Anything you can think of? How was your time there? It was was just frequent. Just a lot going on. Lots of fires and pin-in accidents and... uh, I remember going to a, in the evening, going to a steel warehouse at 57th near Western. And uh, battalion chief is an old-time squad guy. And uh, we got, a, a, got the, the rolls, the coils of steel were stacked in this warehouse. And mm-hmm. they were moved by an overhead crane. And one of them slipped and fell on this guy. So he's half standing, and this has got him... His legs and he's everything, yeah. and he's talking, but he's in trouble. So the, the chief says, hey, Jim, you have a hearse tool, don't you? And I said, yeah. What do you want to do? He says, we've got to move that coil of steel. I said, there was a factory guy there. I said, how much does that weigh? He said, 30,000 pounds. I said, chief. Yeah. This ain't going to do it. Whatever. We're just going to add 50 more pounds to him. <laughs> Whatever dropped it on him is going to have to take it away. So the paramedics had uh, uh, wired him up and did all they could do. And uh, as soon as they, Well, I may imagine as soon as you pull that off him, this he, guy's going to be dead, right? He was. And the paramedics knew it, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's... Is that how it goes down? Yeah, that, went, that was something in my mind. Because when I was promoted to battalion chief... When I report to Cottage Grove, that chief was my partner. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, legendary guy. Okay. No yeah. So, um, how are you doing on your list? You got to check your list? Would you head up to this one? Well, we, we're just, we're going, we're going to stop here. We're going to take a break yeah. here. And when we come back, it'll be February 14th, 1980. Maybe. It's going we'll to it, it be. It's going to be. All right. So, we'll take a break real quick right here, and we'll be right back. 
The opinions and views are that of Chicago's bravest stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations. Chicago's Bravest Stories is also brought to you by Illuminated Brew Works, located at 6186 North, Northwest Highway, next to the car wash. This place, obviously, one of our favorite joints. Uh, you, you guys can make sure to uh, find them on their website, ibw-chicago.com. Illuminated Brew Works, ibw-chicago.com.